What's happening, lads? Aaron and Brian here for another episode of The Film Aspect. This is a show where a couple of Scottish lads talk all aspects of film. After a wee hiatus there, we're back. And are you are you a free man now, Brian? In terms no. of university assignments? No, I've no. got one. One mayor? One the morrow, then one on the 18th. How, how late are you going to leave it? I'll probably do my one tomorrow. Tomorrow. Aye, the I one mean, it's true, the Mona. The one aye, that... <laughs> aye. It's only it's only a thousand word reflective thing, so. Oh, aye, they're, aye, they're that, anyway, well, aye, aye, aye. Then the other one's like a big portfolio, so I'll probably start that the day before it's due. Gotta get that portfolio, mate. I know the portfolio that will never see the light of day, nah, other mate. than when I hand it in. I want I, I want to hear you hear about you handing that out to many places of employment. Just like, here's I don't my, know why I work in this industry. Here's my fancy uh, portfolio. You get a picture in the top corner. I've yeah. started putting pictures in mine because I remember the days when we worked in the cinema where I, I was in the manager's office and she got a new wave of CVs in and I saw somebody and I was like, oh, look at this prick sitting there. He's wee picture on the side. Nah, he's not getting hired. <laughs> but my excuse is I sometimes I, I appear on camera, so, you know, they got, to, they got to know how I look. If I've got that star quality and, you know, my jawline isn't quite there for, <laughs> for some of those rules, so maybe I should just take it off. But anyway, maybe. Uh, yeah. I would, but this is a young man's game and I look old as fuck, so I'm keeping <laughs> my picture off. So uh, t- today we're going to be talking about Star Wars and sort of like the impact that it has on the entertainment industry. I'll probably be talking about how it evolved because Brian is uh, taking a, a, a strike when talking about the sequels. <laughs> and uh, where we... Have where we stand and where we have stood as fans. Um, so I'm just going to start off with like a little bit of context as to my relationship with Star Wars when I was a wee baby. Um, so like I think I'm pretty sure I'd probably seen the original trilogy, but like when I think of Star Wars, like as a child, it's the prequel trilogy as my series of films that I watched. Um, because I think the Phantom Menace was came out when I was like three. Uh, Attack of the Clones was about 2002 so a few years after that me trying to do quick maths here like 6 I was and I, I think I watched that one on video I wasn't allowed to see it at the cinema still and then I finally got to see Revenge of the Sith at the cinemas so it was like such a cool like build up for like I never saw it as this whole like kind of what we eventually got with the sequel trilogy where it's like Star Wars is back at the cinema I never knew or had any of that stuff like as the prequels um so like when I think of Star Wars as well, I'm thinking it's like big budgets and like crazy designs, epic lightsaber battles and all that, which is kind of the exact opposite of what the 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 original trilogy is, I think, because obviously they don't have any of the like, you know, like going fucking crazy with the, <laughs> the, the, the lightsabers or anything like that. And the budget is a very, like as a lower budget, budgeted film, you can, you can tell obviously, but um, to, to, Go on with that. I think the prequels have some of the best designs and production and sound in the entire series. I don't like. I just think it's got some really cool shit. And I think whatever you want to say about those movies, see, like when I think of, like the designs of the ships in like Phantom Menace, where they're on the boo and they got those yellow ones with the point things. They're fucking awesome. They're like, I think when you look at because especially now with like new age Star Wars stuff when they go like oh it's some rough looking desert town and we've got these oh it's different looking roofs on the buildings I find it all incredibly boring 
quite a lot of the time when I think of like Star Wars designs. But the stuff in A Phantom Menace, because it was supposed to be like this different time, you know, when it was like the Jedi's were at their height or whatever, you know, like that. That just it just to me it just seems a lot cooler than anything before that. But um how did how did you start with um Star Wars since you're a wee bit older? Because you would have been you uh, were you aware of like Star Wars like Phantom Menace came out? Yeah, it was a, I, I think I actually saw Attack of the Clones in the cinema, mm-hmm. but like taken completely out of context because that was the first Star Wars film I'd ever seen. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't actually jump on the bandwagon until, I think I've said this before, until I was like 19, 18 or 19. I was going to ask if it was one of when those like Star Wars or uh, sorry, Lords of the Rings where you didn't watch yeah. it till later. Yeah, I, cause I, just, I just wasn't that interested in films until a bit later on. So when I was 18... I believe I sat one Saturday afternoon and watched all three of them. As in the and sequels? No, this is the original trilogy. Oh, the I watched the original trilogy first. Mm-hmm. Well, after I had seen Attack of the Clones when I was like fucking 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just just loved it. Just effing loved it. Every <laughs> single second of it. Uh, I had like outsider sort of information and, and outside that kind of influence people saying oh this guy's cool and oh I love this part and whatnot so I, I wasn't going to it completely blind obviously I knew the big twist in Empire Strikes Back um, but going into it relatively fresh it was it was I don't have that sort of thing where I saw the prequels first and then I like you and then I go back and I'm like oh this moves really really slow this is kind of clunkier this is this that and the next thing because I went in order of release which is the only way to watch them I think um, <laughs> I did I that's... did watch them in chronological order once and I quite liked it like doing nah, it nah nah uh, nah I, I went on a big massive tangent with somebody who was like I'm going to watch Star Wars what order should I what order should I watch them and I was like there's no other way to watch them than the way they were meant to be seen yeah the, the one thing that I like everybody will know I'm a big I'm a big hater for for old. <laughs> I always talk about like, old fo- fucking filmmaking gads, but um, I think that was one of the big problems for me watching them because like the original the the prequel trilogy is a bit more like fast paced with it's like action and the way it shoots stuff and the way everything looks and then when you go to like I think if you were to do it like that and it was your first time and then you got to like the fight with Darth Vader and uh, Luke Skywalker and Empire Strikes Back and it would probably seem a wee bit I know they're going for different vibes like they're going for tension whereas like the prequels are going for like high intensity action kind yeah. of thing but like going from that to that and you see them and then they're just like you know so stiff in comparison when especially when i mean you can get why maybe because like you know anakin was chopped to fuck so like he's not exactly going to be the same as what he was but when you watch those and then you just see like this guy can absolutely fucking slay everybody but why is he just being so fucking like slow in this version that was yeah. that's kind of what i didn't like especially like if you think talk about i think something that done that really well that done the mix of the two was rogue one with the wee bit at the end with darth vader i thought that done a pretty good job of being like he's still that kind of stiff but like the way that he's moving the lightsaber is like kind of that faster pace that, that, that we saw in the prequels but yeah that yeah. was that was kind of the issue i had like going that way because it, it's almost like in and the the delivery of of the action beats or whatever it goes backwards a little, although I think yeah. probably the story in the original is 
Well, actually, yeah, well, that's I think that's the big difference. I think between the prequels and the original. The original, when it comes straight down to it, the the original trilogy is character driven, mm-hmm. whereas the prequel trilogy is story driven because we need to hit certain beats for it to make sense in the context of the universe. So they had that freedom in the original trilogy when George Lucas was writing it to just basically come up with it and do whatever he wants. But in the prequel trilogy, there's there's certain there's certain sequences, there's certain things that have to be said, have to be done, a story that has to be told, and it's quite restricting. So I think there's the, maybe there was a decision to say, right, well, we don't have the creative freedom that we would like, so we're going to go in the complete other direction and make it as as visually impactful as possible, mm-hmm. which is which could have been a, like a, a, a creative decision, something that they, they actively thought of, which I was like, I can't speak for the man, but... I, I, I don't want to be coming across as if I don't like the prequel trilogy because I do, apart from Attack of the Clones uh, I do like the, the prequel trilogy very much and I, I, quite recently I watched uh, there's behind the scenes documentaries on YouTube of the, the prequel trilogy um, mm-hmm. I think they're about an hour long each it's very interesting I just I just love I just love Big George Lucas in the way What kind of stuff was that kind of hinting towards? It was it was ta- it must have been taken from a DVD box set release because it just shows maybe five minutes at a time of all the different departments and you're like holy fuck the amount of people that worked on these films yeah like i i did not even understand for the time the scale of folk like the the visual effects department would see george lucas in a meeting like once a month and he'd be like all right that's fine and then that was it <laughs> all right he's like nah that's not good enough like up it so but the, he had to touch so many bases it's it's ridiculous mm-hmm. um but I, that's just that's just stuff I'm interested in. That's nothing to do with actual Star Wars. So why do you think, if we're talking about the the like OG trilogy, why is why was that such a big hit? Do you think? Because it had never been. It was truly original. Mm-hmm. It had never been done before. Those comparisons. I can't remember the the Kurosawa film that was that was lifted, um, or inspired it. But George Lucas wanted to make an opera in space. Mm-hmm. Is that why I make a space opera that's, that's that, that, something that nobody's ever done before? Nobody thought it was going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just the... the... the, the relatability of the characters. I think I, I think a lot of this lands on, on Luke Skywalker and how he's just kind of like picked up and plopped right in the middle of it and a lot of people can relate to who he is as a character and, and I think it was the the relationships it was everybody wants to have a, a you know a friend like Han Solo everybody wants to has these kind of visions of grandeur and what they want to do with their life they want to go and be you know a pilot or they want to be the, the mm. superhero and that's what Luke Skywalker was able to do but not in a n- nothing about this film was done in an arrogant way mm. there was there was a, an evil villain there was a a damsel in distress and I think Princess Leia doesn't get as much credit as she should for the original Star Wars because she was a damsel in distress but she saved herself, she didn't need anybody else to come and rescue her because mm-hmm. she was a fucking, she was a hard character mm-hmm. and I just had the, the, the lovable rogue and, and Han Solo and Chewbacca and it just had all these elements in a family friendly way mm-hmm. that had never ever been done before and, and hasn't been done since it just it, it was like lightning in a bottle. See for me like I 
think it has been done since in the in the form of like see if you said to me that the original star wars trilogy was already a disney property i would have believed you because of the way that is that kind of classic archetype of like here's a guy who's starting from nothing and he's going to build himself up to be the master of xyz and here's the evil who are doing this and it's kind of like just the you know they're putting this the the the, the sci-fi kind of flair into it where you have you know, this guy and he's his dad and he doesn't know and they, I think, but I think where Star Wars has expanded beyond just the, the original trilogy is because it did set up a world in which it was just ready for this expansive lore, I think. When you, when you talk about like the history of the Jedi and, and, and all these different races and, and, and species and like how the Jedi are like kind of like a religion or some people think they're a cult and all this kind of stuff like I think when you look further into it that that is kind of the stuff that interests me about Star Wars and it's kind of why now I'm I would be way more interested in stuff like say the, the Mandalorian because it's just like here's the side stuff that you don't get to see in mainline Star Wars here's all the extra things and that's kind of what I'm interested in when if you were to, to offer me any kind of Star Wars stuff, it's just because I think, and they have their place, and like I said the other week, because I was pure shitting on Star Wars a couple of weeks ago, but like, I think it depends on how I'm feeling, like what kind of story do I want to watch, because if you go into Star Wars and you're like, just a bit of fun, you know, guy saving princesses, princesses blasting guys with things, monsters and the, their buddy, you know, fighting the good cause with the rebels and all this kind of stuff like it's a good kind of story like that that was what was kind of weird as well like you were saying about the prequel trilogy because it's a weirdly like i think it's a little almost a little too complicated you know it's kind of like it's almost like a political yeah. thriller in many ways like that is going to sound like i'm pure amping it up to be something like <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> the prequel trilogy is actually a very good series of political thrillers but no, like, it just because of the way, you know, it's like council meetings and all this kind of stuff, like, I think that was a little weird, and I kind of admire George Lucas for, for doing that, in a sense, like, to just, because, like, when you think about it, and you think about what happened with the, the, the sequel trilogy or whatever, who the fuck thinks, I'm going to make a Star Wars movie, and it's going to be set in board meetings, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, that is insane. I don't think anyone, and I think that is the kind of off-kilter thing you're going for when you when you bring someone like George Lucas on to do something like this, where he's just like, he is someone that is interested in the lore, he's going to be interested in the lore, so, like, when he comes back for a major trilogy like that, that's the kind of stuff that he focused on, and obviously, I think that's part of the reason why people didn't like it as well, because I have a feeling that, were, although I don't entirely know, but, like, I had a feeling that there may be, like, a bit of the fight between, like, George Lucas is wanting to lean into this stuff and possibly the studio are wanting to go for like, but we need to fit in like, you know, oh, the no, drama portraying the action. That's never been an issue. Um, he he works outside of, of mainstream Hollywood because of the success of Star Wars and the original trilogy. He, he independently finances oh. everything. Yeah, because right. he, he doesn't work with the Writers Guild of America, the Directors Guild of America, because they, they, in the original Star Wars, they demanded he have opening credits instead of just a title scroll. Mm-hmm. So they find him and he paid everybody's fine. Um and then through the success of Star Wars and Empire and Return of the Jedi, he he became financially independent because he took um uh, percentage points and he took merchandise rather than a director's fee. So everything that he's done so far he works out of outside of mainstream Hollywood altogether. Because Star Wars 
made $775,398,007 on an $11 million budget. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Yeah. And I, so outside of that, that's why he doesn't make movies. He, he says, I think there was a conversation with him where he says he makes films that are personal to him, but they'll never see the light of day. It's like Prince when he makes albums. But never releases them. George, I think George Lucas just makes movies that he wants to make and then puts them away in a vault somewhere. And I think that's tremendous because, like, that I don't know of a better fuck you to a kind of an overbearing studio system than you know what I'm going to make a film that's so successful that I don't need you anymore. And that's just what he did. And that's the genius. Obviously, the the everybody knows the story where he. His his um his condition was he was in, he he got merchandising rights to Star Wars and that's what made him. That's just what th- that's how the rocket Still took off. I think like I read that. somewhere that Star Wars has made like forty two billion dollars in merchandise alone. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> it's it's insane. Like I mean, everyone. I don't know if you're the same, but like. I know most of my friends when I was of that age and those films were coming out had lightsabers, you know. If you go into the toy shop and right next to the beat, not the BB guns, the, the cap guns, you had the the, yeah. the lightsabers. I had Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber and I fucking loved it. And I was also <laughs> raging at my mum when she gave it away to something. <laughs> She's like, ah, one of your wee cousins can have it now. And I was like, what? That's my favourite lightsaber! <laughs> but, um... Oh mate, I used to love. I actually just saw um the the thing the other day the that Disney revealed like the realistic looking lightsaber that they've made. Oh, and aye. it like actually like extends out and it's glowing and all that. Do you remember when the Force Awakens came out and somebody came into the store? Wait, were you there? Were you there when? No, I wasn't there. Someone came in and was like, "Oh, guys, this is going to be great. We're going to get dressed up for the midnight premiere." So we all had like our cloaks on, you know, our Jedi cloaks, and then some guy was like, "Here's these." Uh, Really, really expensive, like three hundred pounds, authentic looking lightsaber replicas. Here you go. You take that into the screen with you. And I was just sitting there, like, I mean, this is really fucking cool, but I'm so nervous now because you've just said and like those hundreds of wings, been like, can I touch your lightsaber? And all this. But I, <laughs> I, me, me, and my wee brother used to play like lightsaber battles on the wall. We have a wall that goes along the front of our house, so like we would walk on the top of the wall, thinking we're like fucking Anakin and Obi Wan at the the lava place. Yeah, and, uh, I loved loved a good old uh, lightsaber back in the day. I don't think I really bought anything beyond that. I wasn't much of like a kind of doll kid. No, I wasn't really into that stuff at all. I was more like cars, cars, guns, and lightsabers. That was kind of my <laughs> my vibe when I was when I was away. But um, yeah. also, this is unrelated. But I just remember the turn of the tide. See that awkward age you get when it's like, mate, you're a bit you you are you too old for toys now? You know. I remember one year. I, <laughs> I can't even remember what what year this would have been, but it was like I got uh, one of my mates in primary school was like, oh mate, what what are you getting for what are you getting for Christmas? And I was like. Oh mate, I I think I'm getting this Jack Sparrow Black Pearl ship. It's gonna be fun. It's got cannons on the side yet. You can take it apart. You get the mask and all this. And he's like, "You're still getting toys, mate. I'm getting Simpsons hit and run on PlayStation." And I was like, "Mom, can I can I get can I get Simpsons, please?" 
<laughs> absolutely shat the bed because then I realised I was like, I think the thing is, I think I was only like nine years old or something like that, so I probably was entirely acceptable. I'd say probably still have toys. Would you know? Aye, definitely. Aye, exactly. That's it. These kids these days don't have their bloody toys. Other other PlayStations. I mean, I know for a fact I'd be the exact same if if I was born now. I suppose if I was a youngster these days. But there's a little guy to to Aaron as a child, and his ownership of toys and guns and stuff. But um, yeah. So what what were you talking about? <laughs> merchandise. I've got no idea. Merchandise. I I I, I the merchandise. Well, 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 it started off you say talking about George Lucas with studio interference. Oh I yeah. Like, Hold on a minute. I, <laughs> I don't know. I just found it such a weird balance because it's like I I would be you know what I think it is? I think George Lucas, this is my my humble opinion, you'll probably highly disagree. I think George Lucas is a great ideas man. I don't know if he's like a great writer. If 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 he could work in conjunction, kind of similar, I think, to how he done because he, he he wasn't. Did he write the original trilogies? He wrote the story. He, he wrote and directed the first one, and then he wrote the story for Empire and and I think he wrote the story and screenplay for Return of the Jedi. I just I I get the impression to to agree. Maybe I'll be wrong about this as well, just as I was about the fucking interference. But like, I don't know. I I feel like if he had someone that was like, you know, I'm not gonna not not Aaron Sorkin. But just let's say it's an Aaron Sorkin type, you know, someone that's good with the structure of stories and the writing and all this kind of stuff. And then you have George on the side, Georgie boy, just going like, Ken Whit, mate, throw in a fucking council meeting. And they'll be like, let's make this the best fucking council meeting you've ever heard in your life, you know? I think that was what's needed. Because I always think, like, I'd love to see some older movies, like, if they were made today. I think the problem when we talk about the the sequel trilogy is that it had too much of the pressure of like what is star wars to the new age do we make it what it was before or do we make it something new i mean the direction that they took that and and the the sense that they go jj abrams you come in you start a story we're going to build this up to a trilogy he goes right here's all the seeds for what will be this trilogy all right cool all right next one oh we're going to get this other guy but he wants to completely do his own thing i could we'll do that then does that goes in the completely opposite direction? All right, JJ, I know, I know you set stuff up before, but how about you kind of fix and go back and what that guy done? It was insane to me that, that that's what they done. They, they royally, royally fucked it in that regard, uh, because I think it, it is insane to me that they didn't go into that movie just being like concrete. This is what's happening in this entire trilogy, and that yeah. they allowed someone to just be like do their own thing. And I think as well, I've said it. I'm pretty sure I've said it before, but like I, I think if Ryan Johnson done his a whole trilogy on his own that could have been like if he'd done the sequel trilogy on his own maybe that would have been a better thing because like Ryan Johnson is a is a good writer and director he's made some class films but I think it was just something like that needs a head to direct the whole thing you know have it under this whole thing and I think just the reputation and the anticipation behind a Star Wars movie is kind of too much and it's kind of like it gets cold feet Every time, oh, people said that the first one, Force Awakens, a wee bit too much of a rehash of the old ones, right? Cool, do something there. Oh, everyone's saying that that one's too different. Oh, no, like, what we got to do? And then they just end up with what was the pish that was the Rise of Skywalker. But, yeah, yeah, I think that is possibly, like, when you talk about the original trilogy and what it was and all this stuff, obviously, like, that was kind of left to be what it is because no one knew shit about it 
it wasn't like a big thing. Everybody was like, this is gonna be shit. Just that, just fucking let him do his thing. Can we? Just let, just leave wee Georgie boy to do that. And then when it comes beyond that, it, it, it just becomes too much of a question of like, what would be, what should be the next horror film? Kind of like if they just went, let's make a modern Godfather, you know? And they yeah. went, wait, how, how do we make a modern God? What does that even mean? <laughs> you know? So, um, it's it's a bit of a, a an awkward one, but um, I do I do love a bit of the. Uh, I didn't watch any of these for this because I kind of swore myself off with Star Wars last time, so I watched all nine, you know, like well eight and then Rise of Skywalker, and after that point, I was like, I think that might be the last time I watched these movies. I didn't enjoy. It's kind of like every time I went back to Star Wars, I'd be like, I really enjoyed the prequel trilogy. I thought the prequel trilogy was shit this time. Or I'd like think, oh man, they're so good, like old school filmmaking when it comes to the original trilogy. And then sometimes I'm playing, I'm like, that's just, I just found it boring to be honest. See, like, A New Hope, the last time I watched it, I was bored. Yeah. Aye. I was like genuinely like, oh, this has felt so long. I just wasn't really into it. I don't think I've ever been. I don't think I ever bought into the idea that any of the characters really in the original Star Wars. Or I'd say the closest person you care for in the whole trilogy was probably Obi-Wan. And I think that's 90% the fact that it was Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Just because I fucking like Ewan McGregor. But like, I think maybe they'd done a wee bit better when it came to the next, uh, the sequel trilogy with Han Solo. Like that kind of made me care about Han Solo in a way that I don't think I ha- ever had. I don't know. I just never fully connected with the characters in the original. Nah, I, I don't have much positive to say about the sequel. I, I think that's what keeps the, the original trilogy so rewatchable for me is because I do uh, have this kind of connection with these characters because it is so character driven. You could plop those those characters at that time in any film mm. and I'd, I'd, have a, I'd have that connection to them because I just think they're so... It it never feels like they're acting. I, I don't think. I I think it it feels like an authentic um reaction to the to the situations. Mm. And I I I, I, ne- I don't really feel anybody ever hamming it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, it, it makes sense to me that that's the way every single person in those films would act. Apart from Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams hams it up a bit. Um, <laughs> and. Nah, I just add the, the the rewatchability for me is the is the characters and and how character driven it is and the relationships between those guys. I, I don't I don't go for all the 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 technical know how and the oh this happens in this scene because of this thing and oh they replaced this in the special editions. I, was like, I don't give a fuck about any of that. I don't I don't care. I just <laughs> does it impact how how Luke and Leia interact with each other or how Luke and Han interact with each other? No, it doesn't. And that's the core of the story. That's the most important thing. So uh, you can do the visual effects again for all I care. It does not bother me in the slightest. Um and I think that's a, I'm in the, I'm I may be in the minority with that opinion, but when it comes down to it, the visuals don't mean as much as the story and that's what drives it forward because it is it's a story of, of, you know, it's the hero's journey, it's Luke coming into his own, it's a story of redemption, it's everybody thinking Luke was the the prophecy, but it was actually still Anakin, because he was still the one that brought balance back to the Force, and he, he finally gets his redemption in the last five minutes of Return of the Jedi, after falling so far, and I just, 
I love it. I love the whole thing. And that's what makes me hate the sequel trilogy so much. <laughs> because in the last film, it's no longer Anakin Skywalker's story. It's been his story for eight films up until the fucking Rise of Skywalker, and it no longer was. And that is just a step too far for me. I'm sorry, Braz. I think everything that they said was to you know like intentional when it came to the rise of skywalker i just do not believe it ever could have been the fact that jj abram went oh it was always our intention to bring palpatine back was it fuck was it fuck there's literally see if it see if it was if it was intended there would have been people going back to the force of skywalker and be like oh it was right under our noses the whole time look at this it's right here there's nothing like that there because it wasn't intended when you do something like that there are always going to be seeds being planted to then go because all they end up with if you don't plant the seeds for something like that when it comes it's just it's not even like a blind side it's just like a it's kind of like whiplash you're like well wait a minute what it's like if, if you just had like a normal fucking drama or like say you're talking about star wars and then one of the avatar guys shows up for a fucking <laughs> different film like what what yeah. is this happening and I just yeah, it, it, and it's always it really is encapsulated in that fucking <laughs> that fucking meme that goes about. It's just like somehow Palpatine's returned. <laughs> it's just Oscar <laughs> Isaac fucking rolling his eyes. But, um, <laughs> but like I I just what I really liked about the the I'll I'll talk briefly about the sequel trilogy. What I actually really did like about it at the start is because it was one of those few instances because there's been very few times in the cinema where you're kind of like sitting in the cinema and thinking this is a, this is like event cinema you know like i'm here for something because i don't know if we've like maybe got it a few times like avatar I'd maybe say stuff like that but like we rarely get i don't think we, we 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 like really get the thing where you're like i was there for this film coming out i was there midnight premiere and all this but like star wars kind of felt like that for me i think partly because i was working in the cinema as well for for so much of it because it was one of the first ones they let us see early as well so like i got to see it a day early and i was like that's the coolest fucking thing i just thought i just thought a new star wars movie early it's fucking packed out there's like completely so and then i went to the midnight showing as well and i remember at the time it was that like you know when it's doing the you're just waiting on the you know like star wars popping yeah. up and it's kind of like you just hear the rustling about the place but so it's like everyone's trying to be quiet but they're actually really loud but I fucking loved it I was just like mate this is packed in here everybody's here to see fucking Star Wars and the way and this is what I think J.J. Abrams done really well was just like the way that he kind of started it and like how big it was like introducing the characters from the very start I think it's a great score as well um, especially with like the kind of Kylo Ren stuff but like the way it was setting all that stuff up I was just like oh mate I just it, it really was like reveling the fact that like yep that's right boys fucking star wars is back and i thought that was like really really cool and then was completely missing from the other two movies um i remember going off at my mates like just being like kylo ren could be the greatest fucking villain because <laughs> unlike the other ones i just i just liked the the, the way that they were starting this up where it was kind of like oh it's kind of something they've done in the previous movies as well where it's like is he you know this guy is kind of good but he's eventually just gonna fall and it was like kind of what they did to a degree for some for like the second movie but i just had it in my head where it was like you know how she goes oh what kind of hideous monsters underneath that helmet and then it's just like oh he's just a normal guy i was like by the end of this movie he's gonna be scarred he's gonna be fucked up and he's gonna be like 
look like the kind of villain that we expected him to be. I was, I was really disappointed that they just went, eyes ah, kind of good now. And also uh, then he kisses her, which I was just like, that was a uh, fucking Avatar moment for me. Heavy, just like, what? I just did not I, see their no, relationship that was, as that at all. That and was I, bullshit. I thought that, compl- that it was kind of like, well, it's a it's a male lead and a female lead. Well, there's got to be kissy kissy. We got to throw it in there. And you're just like, what are you doing, mate? Nobody was asking for this. No one no. was asking for this. No. No. Uh, no, I, I, I detested that as well. Mm. And I, I think... Uh, uh, I agree with you every step of the way for The Force Awakens. I love The Force Awakens. I'm mm-hmm. still a huge fan of The Force Awakens. I was there opening night. I bought my tickets, you know, something like five weeks out and still had to sit in like the second row. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was, uh, uh, there was, I, I don't think I've ever felt a buzz like that in the cinema in my entire life. Even, even when I was working there, like usually you would kind of detest the like, oh, fuck me, Minions is coming out. It's got to be pure heaven you know something like that but see when it was star wars and it was packed every single show and for every day for like weeks you know when i was there it was kind of like there was just such a buzz about the cinema that i was like hear me i'm in here for 12 hours a day but i don't give a shit man it's fucking star wars like everyone's happy like everyone in here that everyone that's coming into the cinema because quite a lot of the time you get like folk where they're just like i just needed to get those i just needed the wings to fucking show up so like going after he'd right and that's the kind of vibe you get but like when i was in the cinema it's like everyone that's here to see star wars wants to be here to see star wars and that just made such a difference for me and i just remember having it was just such kind of like an experience being on both sides of it as well like being the person that was going to see the movie and the one that was working in the cinema as well like having to usher folk to their seats and all this and just like every single seat was taken up in every single show and I just love hearing that rustle of like a packed cinema yeah. there's only a few times that I've re- like, I remember having that in like uh, Jurassic World I remember those big vibes for that in Jurassic World when like they had the uh, sea with that big sea thing snatches yeah. that woman I remember there was a big fucking like whoa <laughs> I love I love for stuff like that when that happens in the cinema I just fucking love it so like Star Wars The Force Awakens really did that uh, the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker really, really didn't, and I think it's immediately apparent how much of a mess Rise of Skywalker is from the first five minutes. Because you know yeah. that way, where you just tell where the movie is only had like sometimes I think like Suicide Squad was the same. It was like five minutes, and I was like, I'm gonna fucking hate this. This is just it's too fast. It's choppily edited. Like as someone yeah. that does editing as well, I was like, these shots are going too quick. We're moving too fast. Like you're not giving me enough time to really sink in what's happening, which I liked about. The Force Awakens, you know, it like puts you in this wee thing and it does it quickly but slowly enough. You know, like this guy's got some sort of USB stick or whatever the fuck it was, you know, but he's like, he's got something here that's important. And then the way that the ships came out and he's fucking Kylo Ren's walking out and then it does the whole like he stops a blaster rifle in midair. Yeah. Like all that stuff was just like showing you exactly what you need to know in the most time efficient manner. Whereas like the Rise of Skywalker is like, right, fuck, right, okay, so we've got all this stuff we need to explain away. We just need to get, you know, we've only got two hours to do it. Let's just fucking fire for it, which is just kind of insane. But I, how how do you think then that, like, I don't know, what, what do you want from the future of Star Wars? Do you want anything? No. Or what would Brian's personal, like, if you were in charge of Star Wars, what would you like to see? Uh... I would like to see Disney put Lucasfilm in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> I would uh I would like to see them stop trying to 
shoehorn in other identity politics. I would like to see them focus on the characters more and not assassinate legacy characters, which is why I'm tremendously nervous for Kenobi because they've went out of their way to destroy every single sort of original Star Wars character mm. that they can. Um, so very nervous for that. I think it needs to be... I don't think we need any more Star Wars movies. I think it needs to be more along the lines of The Mandalorian. It needs to be episodic. And that's uh, yeah. the only way it survives because no, like they've, they've done the damage. N- nobody's coming back for a Star Wars movie whatsoever. All the, all, the, all the people that brought in the money have been killed off or destroyed. In fact, no, they're audied. Um, so, and the people who are bringing in money will look Skywalker first and foremost. Princess Leia and Han Solo. Then Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's it's too much of a mess. They've they've set it with a clear mission to change Star Wars from what it was to what it is, and they've succeeded in fucking destroying perhaps the most profitable series in the history of cinema. Do you think so it won't I, be profitable anymore though? I don't. Mm, I, I I agree with the fact that I don't think it would be as big as what would be you know like what would have been if they if I they think, kept no, it going, I, but. It depend. They'll have to severely lower the budget, but I I don't think it'll be worth their while to make any more Star Wars movies for at least ten years. Um, they're gonna have to claw every. They're gonna have to throw throw everything at. Uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni are gonna have to take the reins and throw everything at this to claw back as many fans as possible, which they had done with the Mandalorian. And who fucking did that? Luke Skywalker. The internet exploded when Luke Skywalker came back and you can shake your head all you want, but it fucking did. They got so, (laughs) so much good grace and goodwill from people who had given up on Star Wars with the return of Luke Skywalker. And then Disney going, you know, fired Gina Carano for a tweet and that just tanked. I saw something, the firing of Gina Carano is uh, conveniently enough happened at the exact same time the viewers for WandaVision took a nosedive so people genuinely were I believe cancelling their Disney Plus um, subscriptions in protest and I I don't think they don't like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier did not get anywhere near as many viewers as they were they were hoping it was going to get and I I do think it's because people are sick of their shite and people only going to stand for you know is virtue signaling and companies telling people who how they're supposed to act and stuff that shouldn't come into movies or entertainment is what political affiliations they have. People are just sick of of being fucking preached to and pandered to right. from a soapbox, and and that is it's showing because there's I think I saw somewhere that HBO Max potentially have taken over uh, as the leader of, of new subscribers from Disney Plus. So mm-hmm. HBO Max now with stuff like you know Mortal Kombat, Godzilla vs Kong, uh, <coughs> sorry, um, uh, Snyder Cut. People are like, aye, this is the stuff we want to see. You're, uh, it's not, it's not fucking alienating half the audience. So they need to Lucasfilm need to get that shit out of their mind. If I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I share this opinion with a bunch of, with a bunch of you know cis white male uh, viewers, and I'm done with Star Wars. If if a new thing, I'll probably watch The Mandalorian. I've got zero interest in the book of Boba Fett. To go back to the original trilogy, didn't do not understand the hype around about Boba Fett. I just I don't care about him yeah. whatsoever. Uh-huh. He's, um, he's never really that good a character, was he? Like you never, nah. you never really saw him do anything cool. See, nah. see to 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 jump in with the, the Gina Carano thing. I 
get why like for some play like for like a place like Disney for it to be to get the kind of flack for it. But I also like I don't I don't disagree with the firing because at the same time like you you like if I was to say or do stupid shit at my work you know, I would get sacked, and and now we're talking about something, we're talking, you know, that has happened, I've seen that happen to people on a low level, at, at like, you know, some wee town in Scotland that no one gives a fuck about, you know, whereas now this is like, Disney's like the largest platform on, like, entertainment industry, right, and I just think for, when it comes to any kind of thing where they can see some kind of dip in, in viewers if they go you know i hate that woman i'm not gonna watch that anymore like if they look at that and they say well this is bringing negative press to us she's got the sack it's ex- i think it works on many different levels and i entirely understand it especially when she's sitting there going like being a conservative being like a jew in the in the fucking holocaust or whatever the fuck it was she said but like yeah that's not what she said though and and, and I, the thing that was the people were so upset about her firing was people have said worse things but they're on the other side of the political spectrum. People have said worse things, but because they said it about Donald Trump and because they said it about Republicans, yeah. they didn't. Nothing happened. Pedro Pascal mm. put up a photo of of children who were uh, supposedly to be caged in America, which wasn't actually in America, and he likened that to a picture of concentration camps in the Holocaust. He tweeted that, and mm. nobody said a thing. Had he been a Republican, that would have been all over. He would have been cancelled for that. Yeah. But because he's not. Because he, he panders to a a, a a a certain political spectrum and a certain political audience, he gets away with it, and that was the big in, people thought was the big injustice because she's not particularly open about her um her political affiliations, but people think seem to think she's a Trump supporter because she said maybe a lot of the things that was run about voter fraud. She's like, well, maybe if we want um, more secure voting fraud, we should have voter IDs. Maybe if um she said, I think the tweet was something along the lines of the hatred for uh, Jewish people in Germany didn't start with Nazis. It was it was brainwashing fellow German people to to hate them. That that was the whole thing. It was that was how the divide started. It was the Nazis that had brainwashed the everyday people to uh-huh. turn on their Jewish neighbours and she said that's that that can be likened to the political spectrum in America right now. Mm-hmm. I get I get I like see see if it's not going the kind of going the two ways and i do get like when it comes to the the trump thing like i say like joking about trump's like fart jokes now like they're fucking piss poor and so tired but i also like sometimes i will see stuff and you're like you're thinking like that that is insane like that is the kind of thing that would or should like get bad attention but because it is like certain people the way that the kind of wider world is is or like certain sects of the world are like viewing things then it, it can be like that. and i think yeah I suppose that's just the way that that like a lot of companies are going to go. Like they they're gonna lean. I, I don't know, but but it's hurting Disney's bank. It's, it's hurting. It's hurting the, the the people aren't. People are tuning out. People are cancelling their subscriptions. I don't. I, but like people are some sick people of their are, shit. But it's like they're still sitting over a hundred million subscribers. They're like on their way. I, to, I, they've got to what Netflix took years to do in like a year. I don't think that I off the back of you know of legacy properties they only pump out new things that people are watching. Disney Plus, I don't, I don't, I think it's in a downward trajectory. I don't think it's the correct numbers. I think they are in trouble, and they know that they're in trouble because people only hooking on to once everybody's watched other favorite Disney movies, mm-hmm. uh, they're gonna be like, all right, cool. You're you're not giving me anything new that's interesting. You're fucking 
pandering you're, I, you're preaching from your soapbox and your tv shows so i'm not interested in that shit that's why falcon and the winter soldier got a percentage of what they thought it what it, what it should have done with those two characters what those two characters should have pulled in and what that tv series should have done mm. um i only watched two episodes and i was fucking sick of it <laughs> and i think because people you can try and play down the fact but um we stand with gina carano has been trending on twitter almost consistently for like four months now <laughs> as a big people can you can laugh that away all you want but to be consistently trending on twitter for that amount of time and for people still to be talking about it it's a big deal and they've even said there's there's people thinking there's um, there's rumors that they're they're asking her back because it's made too much of an impact and the shareholders are like hang on a minute we didn't think this was going to backfire as much as it did but it has because people forget and I'm, i'm only assuming what is the the political spectrum in America? But the entertainment industry panders very much to one side. But they forget the viewing audience. That's only half of what the viewing audience is. Mm. One half of the country leans in another way. And if you're if you're saying that they're evil and you're saying that they are they're idiots and they're wrong and racist and all that, they're gonna be like, "Fuck you! I'm not watching your stuff." Did you see yeah. again? Had this been said about anybody else, Kevin Feige came out and said. Doctor Strange was excluded from WandaVision because he was a white man and we couldn't have the white guy come in and mansplaining to Wanda about how, you know, magic and sorcery works. He said those words. Can you imagine if that was said about any other person? That's fucking ridiculous. But anyway, we're getting away from Star Wars. I, I was like, you know what I mean? I was like, I've got, I've got me to say, but then I was like, I don't want, I, I said I didn't want this to be fucking two hours long and then like half of it's not even Star Wars stuff. But, uh, Fuck, what were we even t- talking about? Right. I'm going to talk about the impact George Lucas has had to it because I it. love George Lucas. I've I've been a big fan of him. I get so much shit. I've said this before. I've, I've always been a fan. And, and that annoys me about the current state of Star Wars fans as well. I'm on your side for some stuff, but not on your side for others. Because everybody's like, oh, hailing George Lucas as a saviour. Before he sold Lucasfilm to Disney, everybody fucking hated him. Everybody hated him because of the yeah. retouches. Everybody hated him because of the prequels. I was like, he's at all high. The guy's a genius. <laughs> but he, from Star Wars, he was able to build stuff like THX, which was a, like an audio... Oh, what's the word? Oh, that fucking horrible uh, sound that it makes. <laughs> it's like a, a standardization for audio projection in every cinema. I said, if, if this is a THX cinema, you know the fucking the sound's going to be bang on because it was it was hardware in the way it was mixing and it was to a certain level across all cinemas throughout the world if it was a THX cinema. So he did that. And I think other than Star Wars, his most important... Uh, contribution to the film industry is industrial light and magic. I'm going to run through some things here that I looked up that George Lucas and ILM needs to be fucking, needs to be accredited for, it needs to be spoken about more. Right, so apparently 1980 was the first use of go motion to animate a tauntaun in Empire Strikes Back. There was the first in-house completely computer-generated sequence. Apparently it's the Genesis sequence. I've never seen it. In Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, the first completely computer-generated character is a stained-glass man in young Sherlock Holmes. The first morphing sequence was in Willow 1988. First digital comp- compositing uh, of full-screen live-action is during the final sequence of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The first computer-generated 3D character to show emotion is... Um, 
is the the pod, the the water thing in the abyss. Uh. Um, first dimensional map painting was in Hook. First, they did this with uh, the first um, computer generated main character T one thousand in Terminator Two Judgment Day. First time texture of human skin was computer generated was apparently in Death Becomes Her. The first time digital technology used to create a complete and detailed living creature was the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. which ILM earned its 13th Oscar for. Um, first use of digital manipulation for historical characters, Forrest Gump. First fully synthetic computer-generated character with distinct personality and emotions, Casper, from Casper. First computer-generated photorealistic hair and fur was Jumanji. First um, computer-generated main character was Draco in Dragonheart. First computer-generated character to have full uh, anatomy was Imhotep in The Mummy. And there was stuff like the IMOCAP uh, system, which uses computer vision techniques to track live-action performers on set, which was used for the creation of Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. That is a fucking resume. (laughs) Davy Jones is a good way to end up there, because he's a fucking... That is incredible, like, to this day, better than 80% of what we see in cinema still. It's it's insane. That is on the flip side of George Lucas's Star Wars. He built this company, he founded this company that did that. And that's not even everything. I did not know, I did not know that he co-founded American Zoetrope with Francis Ford Coppola. So he is also a head of the production company that released The Godfather, Conversation, Apocalypse Now, um, The Escape Artist, uh, Outsiders, Cotton Club, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Godfather Part 3, um, there was another one that I saw, Ah Jack, I mean, if you've not seen Jack with Robin Williams, prepare to cry your wee heart out, uh, Sleepy Hollow, Jeepers Creepers and The Good Shepherd, among others, with Francis Ford Coppola, his good friend, this guy does not get the credit he deserves, he is, I, I can't believe I'm saying this about somebody, but he's more the Just Lucasfilm, ever heard of somebody saying Just Lucasfilm? The guy, I mean... I, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done. And I completely, completely agree with you in what you said. I think, at the crux of it, he's a fucking great ideas man. Mm. But he knows how to delegate and how to get the best out of the people who work for him. Mm. I think he's the film equivalent of Steve Jobs. That's Whoa. what I think he is. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I, you know, see when you're talking about all the, the, the kind of technical aspects, and that is something that's like... I think vastly underlooked because everyone's going to latch on to one element with him when people say George Lucas they think Star Wars or Lucasfilm like that's that's it like that's what a lot of people just assume is the role uh, the role that he takes it's kind of similar to how like you know the the stuff that they done with you know Lord of the Rings has went on to develop or or like Avatar now is like it's not just the film that the the like that was made the technology that they built around that to then expand on to other things it's just been insane and that is one of the biggest ones to ever have a, i mean it's it, you know you're talking something that's now spanning nearly 50 years you know that's fucking crazy but i good one old georgie boy do you do you have any anything else you want to say about star wars uh yeah i i don't think i've i've sp- i I touched on this in my Instagram post oh. and you said it earlier on 
Ewan McGregor is fantastic as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think the final scene, see as soon as Ewan, uh, as Obi-Wan Kenobi touches down on Mustafar, where um, Padme is heavily pregnant, she's given birth, and Anakin's like torn between the two, and he's like, I can, I can save you all this stuff. And Obi-Wan Kenobi knows then that he's turned to the dark side. See as soon as Obi-Wan Kenobi steps off that ship, that's probably my favourite sequence in the entire Star Wars saga. See the whole battle of Mustafar, the whole speech at the end where he, he chops off Anakin's legs. Up until Obi-Wan Kenobi picks up Anakin's uh, lightsaber and leaves. From when he touches down to when he picks up the lightsaber and leaves, I think that is the best storytelling, visual effects, action sequence in the entire Star Wars saga. I do love that whole sequence. One, The one bit that I dislike is the two force hands together. Like, oh no! I don't like that. No, I'll it just it just didn't hit that. for me. I think I don't know if it's maybe like I needed some sort of like visual representation, like maybe like a gust of wind or some shit. You know what I mean? Because it's just two hands like vibrating next to each other. But like that that no. was the one bit. But also, I mean, there is some bits where it's like you know they'll they'll hit each other or whatever and then just turn around and be like blah 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 you know like for <laughs> no reason but I, I, I think I kind of liked that it was like at the time you know the Jedis were so you know they're supposed to not just be like protectors but they're like meant to be the best of the best so they do it with flair and all this kind of stuff but yeah I, I love that and I love Ewan McGregor and I think um I don't know I, I really I'm so ne- neutral about the, the Obi-Wan series at this point um, I'm not I'll be glad to see him in the role. I'm just wondering, like, what can they do? You know, if he's essentially, like, is it just going to be him protecting Luke Skywalker? Like, you know, maybe people did actually know that he was there, but yeah. he's having to, you know, we never knew because Obi-Wan Kenobi was protecting him the entire time. Is it all going to be set in, surely it's not all going to be set in Tatooine, is it? I, ho- I hope it is. I genuinely hope it is. I think I'll, I, I hope a lot of it is to do with his... Um, interactions with Uncle Owen and I hope a lot of it's we need to keep these Imperial Guards away but we need to keep Luke safe I, I hope a lot of it's surrounded around about that Joel Edgerton's back is he not yeah. as Uncle Owen so I well it could because everybody's age appropriate um, yeah like for, for, the, for the for the timeline everybody's age appropriate that's how old Obi-Wan one, would have been one thing I want like to chuck in here as well something I would love to see somehow come back Although obviously I know it's not possible narratively, but I love about Liam Neeson as Qui Gon Jinn. He said he's up for it, and I don't see why it's because you've got to assume he learned how to become a Force Ghost through Qui Gon Jinn because Yoda tells him that at the end of Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. um, he's like, "I've been in touch with your old master, who's who's learned how to you know become more powerful in death." So. I fucking hope Liam Neeson turns up because somebody's got to show Obi-Wan Kenobi how to transcend Fuck. his physical I, being nah, to become shit. a force ghost. It is, it is fucking got to, I think he might. I think he might. I think that might be like a surprise fucking... I mean, he said he's up for it. I, I remember him saying in an interview not that long ago he's, he would love to reprise the role of Qui-Gon Jinn if they asked him. I, I so, loved... That was like one of those... See the fight? The... the is it called the Jewel of the Fates or whatever? But it's like the uh, the Phantom Menace where it's like the two of them double sided lightsaber Darth Maul. That shit's fucking cool as ah uh, man. Yeah. I love that. It gets me it gets me fucking goosebumps. And then like see the whole the genius of like although I don't I don't quite know. Maybe I'm just missing out. But like the the reason for there to be shields that are blocking different bits of the hallway. But I thought it was such a cool like right. Calm down for a wee bit now. It's going to be like 
We're going to be quiet about it. And what I really love, and this is something, have you ever watched the guy that does the retelling of the fan, like the, the prequel trilogy? No. There's a guy who you should you should watch it. I wonder how you would like it. But it's basically this guy who has done like 20, I can't remember, maybe they're like half hour videos. And it's basically like him retelling like how he would have done the Phantom Menace, taking bits, like keeping some bits from the, those movies and uh, and then like changing things up. And one of the biggest changes he says is like that one of their biggest issues with this series is that they didn't have like, they didn't really do well enough to have like a one big villain the whole time. And he says like it, because canonically Darth Maul isn't dead. Like he just has robot legs now. And he was yeah. saying like how fucking cool it would have been if he came back like in the second or third movie with fucking robot legs is like the ultimate challenge to, to Obi-Wan Kenobi because it's like this guy killed your master. And I was like, that, yeah. sounds fu- that is so fucking cool. And Darth Maul did have, I mean, as someone that was literally only in like, that's a fucking top tier villain that you just took out in the first movie. I think that is, and especially when you say something like, you know, who who's the bad guy? Oh, is it Count Dooku? And and uh, Attack of the Clones. And I just just didn't it just didn't really hit the same. Although I'll say I did. I hate Attack of the Clones, but I also love it because I remember just thinking that fight sequence in the Coliseum. I was just like, just cool as shit ever, man. Look how many fucking lightsabers there are <laughs> just everywhere. I, I just, I love that stuff. I love the, see, especially now that I played some of the Star Wars games like Battlefront 2 and like some of the best maps or the coolest maps that they have in that are maps from, based on locations from the prequel trilogy. They're just so cool because they take all eras of Star Wars and put them into the different maps on it. And some of the ones from uh, the the prequel trilogy are really, really cool. Um, although Qui-Gon Jinn isn't a hero in that, which is a bit disappointing. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I mean, ridiculous. I think it's. I goes to show. I think they did miss the boat way with Darth Maul because he's in like three scenes, and he's uh, it doesn't speak any lines, but everybody still wants to see more of him. Yeah, I I I I think the character was cut down in the edit. I'm sure that is a thing. It was also a, a funny thing. This is just going going back to those. If anybody's got the DVDs or uh, you know access to YouTube, you should watch it because the first, the making of the first Phantom Menace is really interesting because you can see George Lucas getting really frustrated by it, but the wee boy who plays Anakin, right. um, because they have to, they basically, from my understanding of the documentary, they had to stitch together pretty much every single line he had from different takes because he just it couldn't get through <laughs> like the oh dialogue. My God. But he's like seven years old, well, so you can't really. I and uh, there's a whole thing where they almost chose another guy, another wee boy who was like an actual could could speak, could say the the words and, and could act. And George Lucas is like, nah, it doesn't look quite right. I'm gonna go with this other guy. And then it just bit him in the ass for the entire production uh, of uh, the Phantom Menace, which is which is a it's a bit of a shame. But aye, <laughs> nah. So um. At this point, though, are you still are you 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 big on Star Wars? What you think in like general Mate. sense? Pre Disney, I love it. I think um, I think I've kind of got to agree, but I was never big. Like I I'm not huge like original trilogy fan. I I just I don't know. There's just like sometimes I'm just not I'm just not into the idea of Star Wars. What does kind of excite me going forward is just the idea of doing. 
uh, television shows that are completely unconnected to what, which is kind of why I was annoyed with the Luke Skywalker thing in The Mandalorian, because I was like, I, I, I never really got on board with season one, like, I thought it was okay, like, I kind of liked it, but then season two, I just got way more into it, and I was like, I like how it's kind of lightly linking to stuff, you know, you had, um, I forget the character's name, but Rosario Dawson plays her in season oh, two, yeah. you know, like, I liked that, I was like, oh, that's someone from, like, we who's like in the canon of star wars or whatever that's kind of cool but like i'm not it's not anything that's going to be like here's mainline star wars and i was like that's good enough for me because i, I don't want mainline star wars here because i think that was the thing when you know when uh rise of skywalker ended and she was like who are you ray and she's like ray who and she's like ray skywalker or whatever and i was like i'm fucking sick of them constantly trying to turn this into a skywalker thing and i get that so it was supposed to be the skywalker saga right and i get it but i was also sick of it by the end of it where it's just like, nah, I'm I'm just done with this kind of like, why does it always, why do we have this big expansive universe and it's always got to steer to this one fucking lineage? So, um, because they were to bring balance to the force for nah. sake, it was prophesized. Jesus Christ, nah, what's one of the films? <laughs> nah, uh, I just, I just, nah, I, I'm not, I'm not super into that. So then, wait, with the with the Mandalorian, how it was just like doing different different things, and then. I agree with I'd not really wanting the book of Boba Fett, but like I liked that he was in it, and I just I was just kind of enjoying that. I was enjoying the rhythm of the show, and then they just they done that big moment, and I just felt it completely took away from everything that that show was supposed to be. Like we have, you know, we're building up. We're like this is uh, Mando's like whole thing. He's like you know building up a relationship with this thing, and then what follows after the the Luke Skywalker bit is what is like his last time. Or what so far, as we know, it's also spoilers, but like his last time with uh Grogu, right? And I'm thinking this is something he didn't want him, and he suddenly he's felt that responsibility and he's actually become the kid's father, right? And I thought that was really sweet, and that was like the point of this whole show, but you've just gave the biggest moment away to someone from a different part of Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like that big moment should have been down to the Mando. That's what I hated about it. But um, no, nah. I mean I'm nah. obviously in the minority with that because everybody else fucking loves it. But <laughs> nah, that that wasn't it for me. But I'm excited to see what some of the like maybe some of the different shows. Are. I was kind of interested in watching that Bad Batch actually that just came out the animated show. You ever watch any of the like Clone Wars? Looks shite. No, I haven't watched the Clone Wars. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna. I, like the Mandalorian got me. The only reason I started watching the Mandalorian to begin with is because that Luke Skywalker scene got spoiled for me. And that's that's why I started watching it. I'm not interested in anything Disney, Disney Star Wars, Disney Lucasfilm has to put it. Mm. But The Mandalorian hooked me because I knew Luke Skywalker was going to be in it. I'm not interested in your book of Boba Fett. Not interested in whatever shit you're spouting. Um, I, I like. I think we said before. I like. I like John Favreau a lot, and I think he's he's done great things. But he's they're never going to be. Able, they're never going to break that barrier mm-hmm. while the company is in the kind of and the status and and mm-hmm. to, and just to to talk about one thing briefly that I, I didn't talk about before because it's in the sequel trilogy and I even though it was complete character assassination for Luke Skywalker and I'm like right they want to destroy the legacy characters that's fine they paid five billion dollars for this you know this company do what you want kinda I, I mean you've lost me forever but see to destroy your own character like Finn 
Why would you do that? Why would you build him up to be such a fantastic character? To just go, eh, you're shit now. It's a comedy bit. Aye. See, they, they, they missed it so much that I don't understand why Finn wasn't a force sensitive. Why Finn wasn't the stormtrooper who realised, hang on a minute, we're the bad guys and he's actually force sensitive. He had the fucking lightsaber on the poster. Aye. Oh, no. That, <laughs> that scene at the end of The Force Awakens gave me so many fucking chills. Like, it was amazing. You know, like when he just finally like picks it up and I was... Th- I was so nervous as well because I was like, he's not, he's not like going to be able to go up against Kylo Ren and then he kind of holds his own for a wee bit. Aye. But like, it's just that, that was like, that was what I'm talking about, event cinema. That was a moment where he just goes, he's pure screaming up because, uh, uh, fuck, I've forgotten his name. John Boyega. John Boyega, aye. His, like, he's got such like emotion under his voice, right? And see when he's just like pure shouting at Kylo Ren, he's so fucking full of rage and he just picks it and the visual effects in that bit are fucking phenomenal like the snow and the trees and that and then just the the lightsaber and it's fucking reflecting (laughs) off and I just I did love parts of that fight where it was like you know they're slashing the trees are falling and shit like that because I thought the fighting style in at least The Force Awakens was the perfect blend of like the fancy stuff for the prequels and the simple stuff from the originals where like it was just it just felt like these people kind of know what they're doing but they're not doing anything they don't need to do you know it's like down to the fact he's trying to kill her, she's trying to kill him or whatever, you know? And I just, I really loved that. And they felt like they had a real, like, heave to them when they were, like, moving them about. I just, it made you feel like the lightsabers were powerful fucking weapons again. And I just, that was really, really cool. But, yeah, Finn, Finn was a, like, because I was really, really, and I remember someone actually said as well, when they were like, Finn was the day, like, you know, when they revealed the first footage of Star Wars, like the trailer, it was like Finn popping up on screen, like pure heavy breathing in his storm trooper yeah. outfit. And they were like, if you don't think this guy was supposed to be one of the main things in this trilogy, like you're wrong. He was the first thing they, sho- they showed after 10 years of, you know, whatever it was. This is the first thing we see the new Star Wars. And it was it was a highly missed opportunity. I actually think he was maybe more like, like I was never too into Ray. To be honest, I thought um, um, Daisy Ridley was likable enough, but like I, I just I don't know. There was something behind John Boyega that I just really, really got behind. I could get behind. So because um, Ray never had to overcome anything, she was she was a she was a Mary Sue. <laughs> she there was nothing. There was no you know nothing ever stood in her way. She picked up a lightsaber as instantaneously you know the best Jedi that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. And oh look at that, she can fucking move rocks completely. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then to, oh no, don't, oh, I'm gonna go do a tangent. <laughs> She's just I, I like I I liked Ray a lot. In the Force Awakens, I I got behind Daisy Ridley one hundred percent, and I still did. I think she did the best job she could have done with the story but I think people get hung up in uh, in the actor's choices when they're kind of like the lowest rung on the ladder when it comes to how their their characters are portrayed it's the writers, the directors, the producers and then down the line the actors kindly get a say mm. and, and to be someone who's who who was brand new to the industry almost at that point I mean there's, there's nothing I think she gets too much hate I, I I really do. I think this really gets far too much hate for for the character of Ray. I I don't I don't I don't hate her character. I just I just 
I think like, that's what you're right. You like she didn't have the same like the idea of a stormtrooper that like realizes nah this isn't right. What I'm doing is really really cool. And then like to to build them up to that point in the fight as well. When I was thinking, I was like seeing where this trilogy was supposed to be going, and I was thinking he's going to be like the tits by the end of this trilogy and it's going to be so fucking cool to watch this in one go where you go look at him now he's a stormtrooper he doesn't really know what he's scared he doesn't want to fight anyone and at the end he's like he, because it, is it like Ray gets pushed against a tree knocked out is that, hey. that that was something that happened so then he went off it and he's like hey, he picks up a lightsaber it just fucking goes up and then that's when he gets sliced and then she catches the lightsaber yeah aye that, like that just it just felt all, all so perfect. I just loved the way that that played out. That, that yeah, I was I was really quite. I was just so gutted when it didn't continue on that 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 path. To be honest, but um, that see that's another missed opportunity. I get why they didn't, but I agree with Mark Hamill. Mm. See. I think the entire universe would have exploded if that lightsaber goes flying and it was Luke Skywalker to catch it. See it in that forest. I was 100% expecting that at the time. Because I remember, I see when you found out and you go into like, they're looking for Luke Skywalker and no one's seen him for whatever. I was like, he's going to pop up a bit. And see that, that was the thing that never played right to me was the bit at the end where he's just like, fucking staring at her, <laughs> you know, at the top, posing for about 30 Hi. seconds. I just... That I didn't, I didn't get, and then uh, as well, as well, when you think of like how it was followed up, where like <sighs> literally, so it was almost like so, it's like a, a like I can't even think of the phrase I'm looking for here, but like rubbing it in in JJ Abrams' face and like I see all that stuff that you set up, fucking done. Well, I'm just gonna throw this lightsaber that you passed over down a cliff. You know what I mean? Aye. So um, I'll uh, I'll never I I probably. I could see myself watching, even though, no, I could see myself watching The Rise of Skywalker again just for cringe factor. I'll never in my entire life watch The Last Jedi ever again. I saw it twice at the cinema. Yeah, because I went with different people. Mm -hmm. And I'll never, I've got no desire or inclination to watch that film. Even if you say to me, right, we're going to do an episode. On every single Star Wars film, I'd be like, get somebody fucking else for The Last Jedi, because I am not watching that. I hate that film. That is probably my most hated film I in the hate, history of cinema. I, if we're, I don't know about the history of cinema, but if we're talking about Star Wars in general, I hate Rise of Skywalker more. Because I think, yes, a lot of the problems in this trilogy were caused by The Last Jedi, but I also think that if they had the, the balls to just be like, Okay, this is where we are. We're just going to need to keep going with it. I think Rise of Skywalker, they could have. I think it still would have been like a. Ah, you know, it was alright. But I think. I, I don't think. Uh, I think the direction they took it where they tried to retcon so much of what happened in the last one was the reason why everyone just completely disregards this trilogy now. But like, I think the way. Like, if they just went, this is the way that he's going with it now. So that's where we're going to see it through to. I think it would have been a high, like people would have been a lot more on board with that trilogy, but um, they didn't do that. So no, they didn't. They decided they wanted to fucking destroy the most profitable franchise in the history of cinema. <coughs> That's make... what they decided they wanted to do. You're saying that it will still make fucking billions. 
Uh, what makes it, mate? Toy sales are plummeting. Nobody wants your fucking your rain. I mean, your is, rose it, is, toys. It, is it about fucking time that we stop buying Star Wars toys after forty fucking four years people, or whatever? People will still buy the Millennium Falcon. People will still buy X wings. You go here. Here's this X wing, but it's got a green stripe on it instead of a red one. What? I need five. That's how people. <laughs> <laughs> that's how people act. And, uh, uh, whereas here, there's you know. Um, I don't know. Did Ray have a ship that wasn't the Millennium Falcon? There's, I don't know. Um, uh, Holdo, Admiral Holdo. There's her fucking ship. The like, I cool. Recycle it into a Millennium Falcon and I'll buy that. It's, <laughs> nobody's interested in your sequel trilogy pish. So, um, so is that you done with Star Wars for the day? Is that us? Um, aye, aye. Let's. Aye. <laughs> so, um. I well that's uh, that's some that's some Star Wars talk. It went in many directions, but um get to be chat we're gonna be talking about now. You've been watching anything other than fucking Star Wars? Eh I don't think so. Uh I briefly mentioned <laughs> this to you when we were when we were talking about uh when we done the recasting no the is it a newscast recording or recasting couch, whatever it was. Oh yeah, we recast Star Wars a new hope. I had the best recast I've ever done in my life, didn't I, Brian? Nah, nah, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna play along with that one. <laughs> nah, you didn't. <laughs> so uh I checked that out to see who you thought was the best, but I mean it's a clear winner with me, to be honest, in my opinion. Uh but yeah, before recording I mentioned that I'd watched Nomad Land and Promising Young Woman to the Oscar nominees and one of them being the Oscar winner. I just couldn't get behind Nomad Land. I think it just it kinda lacked a a sense of like what was happening, what what this journey was. It's just like I don't know. There was there was elements at the beginning of the film that I kind of liked, but then there was also something playing off really weird to me when I was watching it, saying like I felt like there were actual homeless people, but then I found that they actually were, and I and then there was a lot of like I got to think there's got got to be a lot of like ethical questions about the way that this was filmed because like you know I saw part of the trivia was like Frances McDormand done this whole speech about like her husband and all this in the context of the char- character that she was playing and one of the, the, the people who was like actually well, they're not homeless they're supposed to be like nomads blah 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 and she was like I really hope you're, you're okay like you manage alright and then she's like oh no I'm an actor like, I'm, a, I'm a huge like I'm a fucking big Hollywood actor and that to me like I'm thinking from the perspective of the person that didn't know that was like alright well uh, fuck you then <laughs> you know and also i don't i don't entirely understand that idea like how they blend the two like did they think they were making a documentary i don't, I don't know I, I don't quite understand how it could have been structured but yeah i wasn't i wasn't really on board with that promising young woman on the other hand i actually did really like um it just went in direction i didn't really expect it to, to go and I, I liked it there was a wee bit at the end and i didn't i wasn't fully on board with but i did really like the end of that film so i was quite surprised with that and the last thing i watched was this uh television animated television series on on uh, amazon called invincible which is the latest like robert kirkman comic book adaptation where essentially you get this kid whose dad is like their superman and uh he's like starting to get his powers so it's like him doing his training with his dad and then there's like you know, and, and definitely still into the whole superhero thing and there's like a kind of knockoff Justice League called the Guardians of the Globe and all this and then it does this whole like episode one ends with such a big kind of like whoa you know now you're we need to see this through and I just thought I honestly like there was points I wasn't so I was like I don't know how much I'm liking this just because like, I don't usually watch a lot of animated shows 
and like there's parts of that that I wasn't liking but then when it came to the end I was like I was fully on board for it I just I've really really fucking liked it because it's that nice range of like serious it's really violent as well so it's like super violent kind of funny kind of has that wacky side of of, uh, of animated shows to a degree but like oh yeah it's just it's really good and I binged the whole thing as well and it was like full length episodes which I Again, I struggle to find television shows that make me do that, and that was one of them, so I really enjoyed that. So, nice. Did you watch anything now? No, just Star Wars this week. Just Star Wars. All, all Some nine. Still. <laughs> <laughs> aye, aye, that was me. Just The Last Jedi. Love, love that sequel trilogy. Uh, I'm still still working my way through The Crown, enjoying that very like much. It, you, I did you mention that you, you were watching The Crown? Aye, aye, it takes me ages to watch TV shows. Uh, ages. So you're liking aye. that? Ah, I, I really like it. I didn't I, think that'd be your kind of thing. I don't like Netflix's style of making TV shows, though, because they all look the same and they all they all move the same. But the 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 story's decent. The acting is really really good. Mm-hmm. I I like it. I'm um, um see because uh, it's annoying me though because this this kind of happens because I've been spending a lot of time in After Effects. I can see. My eyes are drawn more to the, the fake smoking and everything that's been, you know, Fuck the grade sake. that's been enhanced through the lighting and I'm like, Ugh. And it's just, it's bugging me. That's, you don't get any of that shit in the original trilogy. They colour grading back then. Everything was shot in camera. Oh, oh, yeah. Apart from the, the visual effects. Aye. Any of fake smoke there. So. <laughs> well, um... Thanks everybody for listening. There's been a chat about Star Wars amongst other things. And uh, next week we're going to be finally talking about Mortal Kombat because I had a bit of a fucking, you know, complete confusion about dates and stuff. I thought Mortal Kombat was coming out everywhere at the same time and it wasn't. So uh, it's actually out today. Well, the day of recording and yesterday for anyone listening. Well, if you're listening on day of release. So next week we're going to be talking about that film. And uh, uh, Brian, you hyped? I am. I am hyped. You're a big Mortal Kombat fan, at least in terms of the movies. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see We'll see how it goes next week. Uh, and as we were saying, if you want to listen to more Star Wars stuff, we recast A New Hope on Tuesday with the recasting couch. And uh, next week, next Tuesday, we're going to be talking about... Well, it's going to be another newscast, so we're just talking about whatever, whatever the fuck happened, aren't we? We will be. <laughs> so... Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.